Alrighty. And cake. Oh, no, no, sorry, that's next week. Okay. Alrighty, guys. Um, Robert's come to share with us. Um, you are more than welcome to chat more afterwards in the cafe area. I've just been in reliably informed that there is actually going to be cake next week as well, which is very exciting. Um, cool. Let's just pray. I'll pray for Robert just as he gets into the scriptures for us. Father, thank you so much for Robert. Thank you for um, the time he spends with you um, and the way he has been looking at your word and um, for what he's got to share with us today. I just ask that you would anoint him afresh um, and speak clearly through him and speak through your word to us. And I pray as well for us, Lord, that we would have open hearts and ears to hear. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Seb. Um, I'm not a big pie person, but normally I would just go for the standard mince, mince pie. <laughs> Although I, um, we had a guy out from Italy a couple of years ago doing some training with us, and he had never had a pie. So... Uh, 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 on one, the last day I took him out to see some scenery out towards Arthur's Pass and we stopped at Sheffield Pie so we could experience a pie. Hey, thank you so much for your support on behalf of the elders. It, you know, it is really appreciated that you uh, did that. But you know, we feel your love and support. We've certainly felt it during this time and your prayer for us. And we, we would also want to acknowledge that, um, you know, as a church, many of you have stepped up and, and done extra yards as well, and we just appreciate what a great bunch of people we're part of, and it's just a privilege to be doing what we do. Okay, so moving into what we're talking about today, and we are continuing on the series through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're getting to... The Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 today. So uh, just to uh, help set the scene for, for where we're going with this. So the Sermon on the Mount is one of five uh, talks or messages that Jesus shares. And uh, scholars have a couple of different views around how the Sermon of the Mount or, or some of these talks come together. A uh, number of scholars believe that Matthew recorded a one message of Jesus, that this was actually a genuine one preaching session that Jesus did, and, and Matthew wrote down exactly what happened. Others uh, think that Matthew did it more as a combination, combination of various different talks that Jesus had done and that, uh, had a bit more of a strategic purpose in how he put that together. And that's, that's my personal view. One of the supporting things for that is that you have, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, you have a very similar talk to the Sermon on the Mount, but it's done on the plain, is, is how that's described. And, and I imagine that as Jesus was ministering through his time, that he uh, repeated the message quite often that he was sharing. And so there were, he may have had different audiences, and he also may have wanted to reinforce to people. So it, it wouldn't be surprising if Jesus did share the same talks from time to time for people. And if you remember when we I did the talk on um, how we... 
how we can trust the Bible. And I mentioned, you know, with the Gospel of Matthew, how that Matthew was a skilled shorthand person in the type of shorthand that they had back then, or it was very likely that he was, and that they had such things called ostraca, which are pieces of clay that people would write shorthand on for recording messages. And so Matthew could have been sitting under Jesus' teaching and, and taking shorthand notes of all the different things that he was saying. And when he got the inspiration from the Holy Spirit to pull the Gospel of Matthew together, he would have got all these various things and the Holy Spirit would have inspired him to grab this bit and that bit and pull together the first of five talks that Jesus did called the Sermon, that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting that Matthew chooses to identify that Jesus went up a mountain to share this talk. And it's quite strategic uh, that he's done that. You see, mountains in the Bible are quite significant. Significant things happen on mountains. And no one's quite sure where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. There is an indication that people think it's on some rolling hills looking over the Lake of Galilee, which are small compared to our port hills even. But Matthew chooses to call it a mountain, that Jesus went up a mountain to share this talk. And that's significant. Um, if we think about Moses, when the nation of Israel left Egypt, and Moses went up a mountain for 40 days, and, and, and there he received the law. God gave him the law that he brought down to the nation of Israel and said, this is what God wants us to do, can you do it? And they said, yes, we can, and then they were then subject to the, to the law. And there was, that was a significant shift for the nation of Israel. God impacted and brought about change. And I think that Matthew is saying here, with Jesus going up to the mountain to share this talk, that he is signaling that there is a significant shift that, is, that Jesus is talking about, that he wants people to understand. And if we go back to the previous chapter, when, when Matthew is talking about Jesus starting his ministry from Capernaum, he says, From that time on Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Jesus preaching about the kingdom of heaven is the message right through the Gospel of Matthew. Everything that we're going to hear and learn as we go through the Gospel of Matthew is about Jesus talking about the kingdom. And Matthew is saying that there is a shift that needs to take place in people's hearts, hearts and minds. You see, we, we rem if you remember back to the very first verse, Matthew said that Jesus is the saviour, the king and the priest that's coming. And the people of Israel were expecting uh, someone like that to come who is going to deliver the nation of Israel from their oppressors and re restore it to a place of fortune and under God's favour. And they were seeing it as a very localised thing, expecting it for themselves. But God had such a much bigger picture of what he was wanting to do. And, he needed, and Jesus needed to start shifting mindsets to see that, that the kingdom of God was so much bigger and greater than just the nation of Israel. 
and we get to reap that benefit. We live in part of the kingdom. And so as Jesus is entering into the Sermon of the Mount, what he's doing is saying, this is what kingdom living is like. Do, do you get that? You know, I like Lego. Anyone else here like Lego? Uh, I had quite a collection when I was young and enjoyed making things. I enjoyed making spaceships, especially. I love science fiction. It's my favourite genre. Um, uh, you may watch Lego Masters. Denise uh, tapes that and her and William enjoy watching it. They grab me in just for the end so I can see all the creations that people have made. And they look fantastic, don't they? You can do, make some amazing things out of Lego. You can make incredibly amazing looking houses out of Lego. But you wouldn't want to live in them. And the nation of Israel, or, or before Jesus came preaching and coming to bring the shift and change, were living basically in a Lego house. Figuratively speaking. Compared to the kingdom of God, it just didn't have the reality and the life that we get with God's kingdom. And Jesus was coming saying that you need to bring a shift in your hearts, you need to bring a shift in your minds to understand what this kingdom life is about. And it's really interesting. You know, at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, and I'll just go there briefly. This is what the people said. Well, this is what Matthew recorded the people saying. When Jesus had finished saying these things, which uh, this is uh, one of the supporting things for saying this was actually one talk and not a collection of talks, but anyway. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He taught as one having authority. And if, you, if we have a look just before the talk started, you see this recorded. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread to all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region from the Jordan followed him. So not only when Jesus had finished his teaching did people see that he spoke as someone with authority, but before he even started his teaching, people could see that he actually walked with authority. Jesus has the authority to teach what kingdom living looks like. So let's start into, into the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount and both Pastor Paul and Pastor Seb in weeks to come are going to pick up just a couple of the aspects that come out of the Sermon of the Mount and from there we hope that you are able to learn ways of actually interpreting some of these stories for yourself. So let's start in verse 3 of chapter 5. This is what's commonly called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, 
The verses we're going to look at today, you, I've heard in fantastic talks done on just each verse on their own right. And we're not going to go into that detail today. Fortunately, we will be finished on time. But it starts off, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Now, some, some uh, versions uh, use the word happy. And if you're blessed, I think that you would be uh, happy, but I don't think that that actually describes sufficiently what blessed means. Now, I think if you're blessed, if you're blessed, uh, it's the sort of thing where you can just sit back, fold your arms, and just say, life is good. Life is good. That's, that's the image of being blessed. And I think a, one of the ways that I'd like to uh, describe it is that God's favour rests on you when you're blessed. God's favour rests on you. Who wants God's favour resting on them? I think when we know God's favour is resting on us, we can sit back and say... Life is good. We've got a good God. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So when we're looking at this verse here, it's not saying, when we're talking about the poor, it's not saying people who are poor financially. It's not saying people who are poor relationally. It's not saying people who are poor in their intellect. It's saying people who are poor in spirit. This is the kingdom of God. People who are poor in spirit. And to be poor in spirit means that we, we come to a place where we realize we're not enough in ourselves. That we realize that um, spiritually we just don't have it. And and one of the things to understand about these, what we're going through here is that Jesus is building line upon line. Well, building line upon line. And the starting point for being blessed to have God's favour resting on us is that we need to come to this place where we just understand that we can't do it on our own. We don't have it. We're spiritually dead. If you, uh, a few years ago, I wrote a book called Heaven's Door, and in there I talk about our spiritual DNA. And uh, Nicodemus went to see Jesus and said, asked him, you know, what, what is all this about that you're teaching? And Jesus told him that he needs to be born again. And I don't... Uh, understand the physics or everything around that because we're talking about spiritual things but basically when we understand that we're spiritually poor and we turn to God and receive his Holy Spirit into our lives then we're born with effectively God's DNA in us spiritually speaking we become subjects of the kingdom of God 
So the first step of having God's favour on us is realising that we're spiritually poor, that we can't do it on our own. The next thing is that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now it's one thing to realise that we, don't, we can't do it on our own. It's then to, real, to actually come to that place where we say, God, I'm just so sorry for the mess I've made of everything. I just regret all the wrong things that I've done. I'm just, you know, I've made a mess. I've tried it on my own. I've tried living out of my own strength, and I just cannot get it right. And the nation of Israel were like this. Throughout the Bible, they had tried to live under the law, and they failed, and they failed, and they failed, and they uh, eventually they were kicked out of the of, of the nation. God, out of His grace, drew them draw them back to the country, but they couldn't do it under the law. We can't do it under the law. We fail, and we need to come to that point where we say, God, I'm so sorry. And we, even when we fail now, you know, repentance is a powerful thing, and I spoke about that a number of weeks ago, is that repentance brings a release and freedom over our lives. And when we get to that place where we're mourning for the uh, wrong things that we've done, the Holy Spirit is God's comforter. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside. And we just feel the forgiveness that God has for us and that sense of release and freedom from the guilt of sin that we can carry. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. No, meekness isn't weakness. We are far more powerful than we realize. What we believe, what we think, is far more powerful than we give credit for. The way that we interpret situations, the way that we interpret things, the way that we... Um, believe different things affects our attitudes, it affects our, our reactions, it affects the way that we, our, our expectations around what's going on, what God might do. We are more powerful than we think. And we can hold on to that power. And that's not being meek. Meekness is about surrendering to God. Saying, God, I don't want to be in charge of my life. I want you to be in charge. God, I want to align my thinking with your thinking. I want to align my beliefs with your beliefs. Have your authority over my life. And as we do that, as we allow meekness we will inherit the earth. Seek God's kingdom first, and all these things will be added to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As, we, as we're going through these steps, we're starting to see that the Holy Spirit will be coming in, filling us. And remember, the Holy, having the Holy Spirit empower ourselves is our third focus for this year. 
and our focuses. And, and Jesus is saying there needs to be a heart shift with these Beatitudes. And it comes by allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us as we, as we um, realize that we're poor in spirit, as we mourn, as we put God back in charge. And then we'll see that the Holy Spirit is stirring in us and we'll start to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's about having things aligned with the way that God wants them to, that they're actually right with God. And that can mean all sorts of things. It can mean our attitudes are aligning themselves with God. It can mean that we can see situations in our workplace or our school or our sports club or in the nation which are not aligned with God and our heart cries out and we hunger and thirst to see things made right and aligned itself again with God. And as we do that, as we hunger and thirst to see the shift and the change happen around us that brings things back into alignment with the way that God wants it, we will be filled. God will empower us. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And as we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and things to be put right, we'll also see that we um, will be acting more and more like Jesus. And as we see people who are in difficult situations, and yes, sometimes it's because they've made incredibly bad choices, we will start to show mercy and come alongside people and encourage them to actually see things shift in their lives Help them, support them, meet them in their need, showing mercy in the same way that we receive mercy from our God in heaven for all the wrong things and the bad choices that we've made. And God still calls us friends. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And again, as we're building line upon line, we'll see that as we start becoming more and more Christ-like, as the Spirit starts working in us and empowering us, then um, effectively our heart is pure and we can go after God and we can seek Him and we can cry out with Him and we'll spend time with Him and we will see God in our quiet times, in our corporate worship, hungering and thirsting for more of Him, I don't know if you do that. I hope you do. But it, you know, I, I've discovered that there is just constantly more and more of God that you can experience, that you can go after, that you can be filled afresh every day and have new encounters, fresh encounters with the God as we, as we go after him. And the Holy Spirit has made us pure, cleanses us from all sin, as we confess it and have ourselves in a right relationship with God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And uh, it's... Jesus, as as he went around, he didn't always bring peace to everyone. 
I suspect if you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee in the time of Jesus that he, some of the things that he said to you wouldn't necessarily be, be very peacemaking. And yet for those in need, those who are poor in spirit, those who are suffering, those who are being mistreated, Jesus worked at bringing peace into their lives. And, and God will give, uh, as, as we're uh, growing in our mercy towards others, as we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we will also start to uh, see ways that we can actually bring peace into situations, that we can restore relationships, that we, we can bring hope into people's lives, being peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think we experience a lot of persecution here. I have come across people who, who say they are being persecuted. And I remember once talking with a, with a guy who um, spent a lot of his work time trying to preach and share his faith uh, to the other people at work, and his boss would pull him up on it and tell him off for, for doing that in work time. And I, I don't know if I really class that as persecution. I think it's probably bad behaviour. Not not actually serving your employee, your employer well. There are there are ways that we can we can uh, share our faith far more appropriately in the work workplace through the life that we live. But if we are, are living the life that God has called us to, and we are We've had this incredible heart shift go on and our passion for God and going after God is such that we are expressing Jesus wherever we go with whoever we meet. There will be times that we will encounter people who are uh, grumpy. And, and won't necessarily want to be our friends. And may even say bad things about us. But there are brothers and sisters around the, around the planet who risk their lives for standing for Jesus. And we are fortunate that we're not in that situation. And yet, when our brothers and sisters who are in that situation, they, they hold true. And they're willing to surrender their lives for the sake of Jesus. And I just wonder how much we are more concerned about our own friendships, our own relationships, and wanting to protect that rather than standing for Jesus at times. How often do we get people saying bad things about us because we are actually standing for Jesus. It's part of the kingdom. So as, as Jesus has gone through the what we call the Beatitudes, it's about he's talking about having this heart shift, about how we, we need to start from being uh, poor in spirit, realizing that we can't do it ourselves, that we need to actually be mourning the wrong things that we've done, that we need to be... Uh, uh, 
hungering and thirsting for righteousness, pure in heart, seeking God. Seeing that shift and that change take place, this paradigm shift. And Jesus was speaking to the nation of Israel about this, saying, you know, you've tried to do it in your own strength, and if you jump a little bit further into the Sermon on the Mount, it, Jesus said that you, your righteousness needs to ex, exceed the righteousness of the teachers of the law. And what Jesus is talking about, as you go through the whole Sermon on the Mount, he's demonstrating time and time again that the, fulfilling the law is an outward effort. It's an external effort of trying to actually live right with God. And that's what the nation of Israel for centuries had tried to do, is do it externally. But uh, when you go through all the different stories in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying actually the shift that needs to happen is what's going on in here, going on in your heart. Because good behavior flows out of good belief. Good behavior flows out of good belief. It's what's in the heart. And it's the Holy Spirit that is and empowers us to actually bring that shift and that change. And then Jesus talks about two other things that we, we move into. Talks about us being salt and light. He says from verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Jesus, in this message, when he's on the mountain, he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about a shift and he's talking about a shift in our heart and he's talking about a shift in our mind. And he wants us to realize that we don't have to strive to be salt and we don't have to strive to be light. He says, You are salt and you are light. When you're part of the kingdom, when you're, when you're following me, when you've made me your Lord and Saviour, you are salt and you are light. You already are that. But he also identifies a, a couple of things that can limit that. Well, first of all, being salt. What's the benefit of being salt? It, it's... Salt brings out flavour. You know, I, I enjoy a nice fillet steak. Had some for tea last night. And I'll, I'll be there frying them. And Denise will say, have you put any salt on it? And if not, she'll quickly come and put some salt on it because it helps to bring out the flavour. And, and salt preserves. You can put salt on things and it actually keeps it from going off and salt heals uh, I was um, mountain biking on Anzac morning with Carl up in the bike park and I've got this nice bruise just here quite large I went I went uh, 
we were coming down the track that runs beside Dyers Pass Road and it's got a little bit of up and down. There's a couple of riders in front of us. We were going reasonably quick downhill, but there's slow right down on the uphill and we come to one uphill bit and I was in a gear too high to slow down as much as they were slowing down. So I decided to go past them and I didn't tell them I was coming past. And the guy in front, as I was coming beside him, he swerves to the right. So to avoid him, I decided, well, there's a grassy bit there. I'll just go and ride up over that, not realising there's this great big rock <laughs> sitting in this grass. So I stopped very suddenly and ended up on the ground and uh, got a few scratches, a bit of blood on the knee, a couple of nice bruises. Then uh, we, we're trying to nail this track called Double Vision. It's yeah, it gives you it definitely does. And it's got three sections that we haven't been able to ride yet. And uh, one, one, the first section is this really steep down, downhill quite a long way. It's got a reasonably straight track. We should be able to run it, but this, and, and we, we're probably not far off doing it, but this day uh, there'd been a little bit of rain the night before and it was just looking a little bit wet and greasy on the runoff. So we, we um, uh, stop and walk down there and walk to that. Then it's got this sweeping right-hand dropping corner and it was really greasy. And so I, uh, and I start down there first and I'm trying to hang onto this tree and hold the bike and just walk on the grass on the side of it which there's a bit of a drop onto the greasy track and I got as far as I could and then I slip onto the track and I slide about 10 metres on the mud down just like it's a slide. And I, uh, the next day, I, you know, I get home, I, after we finish a ride, have a shower, clean up. Next day, uh, my left calf uh, sort of swells up and gets hard and goes all, all rashy, and I suspect that maybe I got a scratch when I fell off, and then, then the mud getting in there and it created an infection. So, so Denise says, I know what I'll do, I'll get a sticking plaster and put some salt on the sticking plaster and, and stick it on there, and it, and it settled it down somewhat. <laughs> I did end up going to the doctor and getting some antibiotics, but, but the salt definitely made a difference, and you know, salt has a healing capacity. You know, there's real benefit in salt. And, as, and Jesus saying that we are salt, and it, as we're in the world, living out of God's kingdom, we, are, we have this ability to create influence that will actually stop the decay, bring healing into situations. But he also talks about if the salt loses its saltiness, what use is it? And I think there's two ways that that can happen. One is if salt stays in a salt shaker, only interacting with the other salt, it doesn't do a lot. It's not carrying out its function. And there is a danger for us, friends, that we can spend our whole life insulated around other Christians. How are we being salty, being effective, if we do that? And the other one is that we let fear and doubt take over our ability so that we uh, aren't going to stand up or hunger and thirst for righteousness 
that we allow fear to control us, that, we, that we're too worried about what people might think and we don't make a difference, so we lose our effectiveness. And the same thing with light. You know, light is there to be seen. And we can hide ourselves away so that people don't see and notice that we are God's servants. But God says, let our light be seen. The band can come up. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. He came saying that there needs to be a paradigm shift in our heart and in our mind. And coming to that place when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, he will empower us by filling us with his Holy Spirit, giving us his DNA, enabling us to be salt and to be light in the world about us, to make a difference. Friends, I just hope that's your heart and what God's doing for you today. Let's stand and worship our Lord. forgiven 
Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. Thanks, guys. 
Well, that's a wrap this Sunday. Um, feel free to stick around through the double doors, through the double doors again. Um, feel free to stick around and have a chat, have a yarn. Lovely to see you guys. Um, yeah, good talk. Thanks, Robert. I was a bit salty on Wednesday at five-a-side football, but I think that's because we lost 6-4. So I'll try and work on the good saltiness. But um, yeah. Hey, can I just pray before we go? Um, Father, thank you so much that we get to gather. Thank you that we get to hear from your word. And thank you for today. Thank you for the weather. Um, we bless those in Ukraine. We ask for your kingdom to come, Lord. We cry, come, Lord Jesus. Even when we don't know how to pray, come, Lord Jesus. We join with our voice in that. And Father, I just ask that we would um, be able to really know you close this week. Thank you that you never leave. And we just choose to set our eyes on you, Jesus. We choose to set our eyes on you. And would you bring those words from Matthew 5 um, into our lives every single day? But amidst everything going on, we choose to look at you, Jesus. Amen. Cool. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Have heaps of fun. See you around.